What is going on you guys and welcome back to episode 3 of our new series on the channel. My name is Brandon, I'm joined today with my father Mark. Hi, hey Brandon. How, How are you doing? In the lower mainland. Pretty good, pretty good. good. Uh, be beautiful day out today and nice. um, yeah, can't complain. Yeah, you? Same thing, same thing over here. Well, we have this episode that is actually ahead of schedule because we just added two new holdings to our portfolio, one of them more unique. So we're definitely going to share that with you guys today. Remember, as always, you can follow along with our trades live through our private membership group. But we did get some feedback from you guys regarding the length of these videos. Yeah, lots ton. of feedback. Yeah, lots of feedback. And I'll pop some up on the screen here. Toe Mata 42 says, I don't mind the longer videos. Good job, guys. Thank you, Toe. I'm Nub Newbie says, please do the longer videos. And Rocky Re Rejects says longer and deeper. You think we can go longer and deeper today, Dad? We have to. And I mean, the, the, the comments are overwhelmingly go longer, go deeper, more detail. And with the greatest of respect for those who said we want shorter videos, uh, we have to go with the, with pa the masses and watch part pause, of it. <laughs> yeah, watch part of it, pause it, go back, yeah, favorite yeah. it and come back for later. But yeah. we, in our last episode, we actually cut down so much stuff we wanted to talk about just to yeah. fit it in. So let's go into this whole review, guys. We're gonna start right off with a portfolio update. And uh, today, the Wealth Simple portfolio is sitting at $19,898.88. Quest Trade is sitting today at $19,000. $752. So we've lost a little bit of money in a week's time, eh, Dad? Out of the gate. <laughs> Out of the gates. We're off to a terrible start. And uh, for those that are new to our channel investing, I hope you know that I'm totally joking there in the sense <laughs> that um, it's been a week. And, you know, maybe you have a word or two to say on that, Dad? Yeah, well, uh, this is just. Uh, a week is just such a snippet and we're not day trading, you know, we're building a portfolio for the long term. So yeah, we're going to see these fluctuations and, uh, you know, if the portfolio had gone up a percent uh, in the week, we're, we're no geniuses, it would, we're not going to take advantage or take credit for that and, you know, vice versa. It's, that's just reality. Vice versa. And as you can see, as we pulled up on the screen, I'll share some of our holdings. You'll note there's a variation in our Quest Trade portfolio. Like you said, some, some stocks, in this case, Google was up one and a half percent. We're not taking credit for that, whereas the other two have, uh, the other three, sorry, have uh, sold off about a percent or so a piece. I, I think that's more or less we can chalk that to just the markets have been a little bit choppy over the past couple of weeks, haven't they? They have been. And when you, I think we added eight companies to, you know, sort right. of out of the gate. And um, normally in any given time period, whether it's a week or a year, stretch it out, you're going to see in the shorter time, you're going to see portfolios moving or the holdings moving in all different directions. and to some degree, and it's, it's premature yet to say this is a balanced portfolio because it isn't, we're just building it up. But to me, the sign of a properly uh, developed portfolio is you're going to see different things moving at different times because different economic factors will uh, will change. Play, come into play, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they're all, yeah. all the holdings, the idea behind our diversified portfolio is we're gonna have areas performing better, some worse. And in general, the reason why we spread our eggs amongst those baskets is to kind of account for that, yeah? I would even add, if you have a portfolio that acts the same way all the time, it's not properly built because yeah, it'll do great in uptimes, but it's gonna you know, really suck in the downtime. So you don't want that happening. In perfect world, yes, everything you pick would just go up, but that's-, that's I agree. Just... I think people are noticing that with the very concentrated tech exposure, especially right. the higher growth tech stocks, they're getting slammed right now. And that's, yeah. that's a perfect example of that. One yeah. other thing too, Dad, um, even if our portfolio were to drop a hypothetical 20, 30%, yeah. let's even say on a bad, uh, on a big scale, 
even a 40% decline, I think is something that we can come to expect. Obviously, we're not going to hope for that. But yeah. as equ equity investors, that is not out of the question. So we could see our $40,000 portfolio cut in half realistically with the amount of cash we have right now and the bonds, which we're going to talk about today, that's, that wouldn't happen. But a half a percent or a percent move now over a one week time, that just goes to show that as investors, we have to expect more than that at times. And that will come at some point. And that's just normal. And and that's, that's I think that's sort of maybe a teaching point because we put $40,000 into the accounts to start, we could have just said, let's invest it all. And it's not that uncommon, I would say, but um, in our opinion, if you're building up that portfolio, and we can talk a little bit about timelines, because I think some of the questions were, you know, how long do you expect this to, to go on and that type of thing. But in the, in the shorter term, um, we've kept a lot of money in cash and the exact reason is the markets are so unpredictable in the short term. It doesn't matter how much due diligence, how much research you do, you can pick good quality companies. They can go up, they can go down in the short term. So to your point, Brandon, a yeah. drop in the markets because we're actually, we're way more weighted in cash right now. That would be a benefit to us we over love. the long term because we are picking up some companies on sales. That's what we're looking for. So true. Well, hey, let's progress on. We actually have a new a new segment that we want to add to these uh, to this series, and we'd love to hear feedback from you guys whether you like it or not. But we had the idea to actually answer some of the subscribers and viewers' questions. A little Q and A. We have three questions that came in. We had a lot of questions come in in the last video, but we've highlighted three where you guys can uh, ask them down in the comments below, and we may feature them in an upcoming video. But if this is just useless, then didn't tell us and we don't have to do it. Yeah, just my opinion. I would love to be able to, you know, basically every update is start off with two or three questions that, uh, that you know, speak to the, to the, the strategy, speak to the concept. And, and to, right. Yeah. And I think, and we'll display that here. So I'll actually pop up our first question uh, for today's video. And we had Garrett, Gareth actually comment, tell us stock over Bell stock. He must yeah. have tuned into the first one because we did add Bell as one of our yeah. Yeah. selections in the Wealth Civil portfolio. And uh, yeah, just to kind of give a thought on that process. I mean, first of all, that I don't think this is the best comment to begin with. You did a video, I think it's a bad comment actually, although maybe true, you did a video talking about comments that the viewers right, yeah, uh, yeah. leave. And you know, to leave a comment like that without much depth or any background to that, just, depth, hey, yeah. tell us talk over Bill Talk. I mean, that doesn't really benefit much of the viewers. And, um, I, and, and like I would hope, yeah, sorry to interrupt there, Brad, but I would hope that um, if you're going to go to the trouble of leaving a comment, um, yeah, put some depth behind it. And, and it, is, it is important, I think, to understand. If you're looking at you know, the, the communication sectors, you got Talos, you got, you got Bell as two of the options, it's, it's almost impossible at any point in time to say this is better than that. They're both good companies. You know, in the mm -hmm. financials, Royal Bank, TD Bank, CIBC, they're so similar that Picking what I, I wouldn't say Bell is better than Talus, and that's not the reason that we put Bell into the portfolio instead of Talus. It wasn't an either or. It was either one of them would have worked perfectly. But you know, when right. we did our research, we just thought Bell's a good solid company. Put it in now, and we expect it to have uh, have it there for a long time. Wouldn't shock the heck out of me if at one day we do put Talus to round it out. But right now, we're just at the very early stage. We're just of starting. Yeah. In fact, yeah, we very likely will add Talus. I do disagree with your point there slightly. Mm. You said, I mean, there are times where certain stocks in a similar industry may be offering a significantly better uh, opportunity based on you know current conditions. But I get, I, I totally understand your point. You're saying these are two great quality companies. Yeah. yeah. It's not to say that one is terrible and one's good. You can do well with both. Is what yeah. you're trying and, to say. And uh, you know you. I, I totally agree with that with that point, yeah. And yeah, so just to answer this question, maybe we will add some TELUS down the road. So 
Um, but at, at the make, point of that, happy. because we're all here to learn, is um, great. If you're if you feel Bellis is uh, uh, Talus is Bellis. stronger than <laughs> Bellis, if they merge, then then yeah. uh, Talus are than Bell, then uh, yeah, go ahead and maybe put a little bit of depth. I think we're going to see an example of that from one of the contributors. Uh, what, what so true. Good, good comment well, here, yeah. Coming up soon, but we'll answer a question from Bosu next up. He said, can you comment on the types of stocks one should invest in in a non-registered account if the TFSA and RSP are maxed out, dividend growth, what are the pros and cons? And for those of you that don't know, both of our accounts are actually non-registered. So we are investing in margin accounts. I believe the uh, Wealth Simple account is a personal cash account, but still, regardless, these are taxable accounts. And we can now go a little bit deeper in this video as to why we our thought process behind this. Um, for one, Dad, I'll, I'll take point number one here is that I think we will automatically come in with the approach of a longer buy and hold strategy right. in an efforts to push off and not trigger capital gains. That's something we would typically do anyways, but especially in a non-registered account, you have to be cognizant of your active trades because if we could own a stock like Bell as a great example and hold it over the next 20 years, we don't have to trigger that capital gain versus a stock that we're you know thinking very short term and short sighted with where we'd uh, run into a tax consequence there. That's mm -hmm. I think one very clear one is that we are looking for stocks that we can hold for the long term. Capital gains are kind of a mixed uh, a mixed bag because you're right, we control when we uh, trigger those gains. Um, at the same time, when you have a company that does really well, I've known of cases where you're reluctant to trigger that gain because, True. well, you don't want to take the gain into income, and yet your you know your portfolio can become way overweighted or heavy, too risky, a, and, and, yeah, yeah, and, and more risk than you want. Correct, and and uh, so this uh, as things progress, we will be making those types of decisions. It's way too early now, but you know, exactly. some months or a year down the road, we'll be making those decisions as to when to trigger those gains and do some tax loss selling and all those types of things. That but you know that that comes down. That's the road. for down the road. I think a, sec a second. Oh, were you going to take it away? Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to add the fact there are a lot of people, believe it or not, who have maxed out their RSPs and their TFSAs, TFSAs, and have significant amount of money outside of that and you kind of approach that like you would just any other investment portfolio you mm -hmm. I don't think you can say well I'm only going to do this because there's US withholding tax or I'm only going to do that you still have to manage it first from a portfolio perspective have it well balanced and then you you manage the tax situation within that yeah I think I don't know if people view it like this or it's just myself but I think a lot of newer investors view taxable accounts as this, you know, scary thing. It's not a fun way to invest because they're so used to their TFSA, right. which is this great, but that's actually not the reality of it. I would say, think about normal investing as a taxable account. And then you have these bonus, you know, sheltered totally. accounts as a bonus yeah. rather than the other way around. But I do think we did actually discuss our strategy slightly is that we are focusing in the, in the quest trade account, which is more growth orientated. Mm. We did mention it in, uh, video number one or two yeah. that we are going to be a little more US focused there whereas the uh, The account on well simple is going to be a little more Canadian focused and that's just because I think in general We talked about it quest trade is a more favorable account for US dollars and the Canadian dividends that we will be collecting through well simple trade Those are taxed more favorably. So think about this way our US stocks We can say growth stocks more longer-term focus push off those capital gains um, probably actually not too many tax complications there unless we're investing in a bunch of dividend stocks. 
And then while simple trade, we will be subject to dividend uh, tax. But if we lean more towards Canadian companies, that is slightly more favorable. But, but again, we just want to manage it from a top level. Right. It is a, it is something to consider in the, in the bigger picture. But it's, yeah. it's I, I, I'll just reiterate very I feel quickly. You. I, feel I, you, yeah. I think it's, um, you, I'd rather have a company that does really well, pay some great dividends and deal with the taxes than a company that you know doesn't perform and your tax liability isn't there. Yeah, that's that's that'll sum it up at that point. One more one more question here before we move on to our actual stock picks and portfolio updates. Max the point. He says even though Apple we we bought Apple in the last video, FYI. Even though Apple did a great job of building their brand, I'm personally bearish on the company on the long run. They're utilizing their they're utilizing well their brand to sell their, their overpriced products, but eventually they will take a hit and I don't know if their products any longer will have the quality to back up their pricing. I prefer Google and Microsoft, which have fundamental research and strong intellectual properties in numerous areas. Both of these companies are already working and investing on products 20, 50 years down the road. You need strong products to back up the strong brand in order to get long-term success. Now there is an example of a, I would call that a very good comment. It uh, is. Expressing a, a, a preference of whether it's whether it's for what we say or against us, that's it's still a great comment. In fact, we'd actually encourage comments like this that go against the grain. But at least there's a, there's depth to his reasoning rather yeah. than just tell us over Bell. Yeah, for sure. No, this is an example of, of a well thought out comment. Um, we did actually add Google uh, or Alphabet, one of the other companies that he references there. And yeah, we we're you know, and, and we haven't bought Microsoft, but I'm sure at some point we will be owning Microsoft. And again, this is just another example of. We are not going to go in today and buy all of the companies that we would like to own. Mm -hmm. That is going to be a process uh, of just, you know, sort of adding and, and taking chunks along the way. But at some point, I can definitely see us owning all three of those companies. Just quickly about Apple. Um, yeah, uh, I everybody has different opinions. We happen to like Apple as a good long-term play. Interesting, um, I don't have it in front of me, but one of the, the elements of that comment was the fact that they're using their, I think their reputation to sell overpriced products. And and you could argue that that is a strength. I mean, that is that is the, the pricing power that a brand like Apple has. And they own, yeah. I, I'm just buying, in the process of buying a new iPad right now. And yeah, I don't want to spend a couple of grand for the iPad Pro, but, but that's what you have to pay if you want that. And um, They've built they they've built that luxury into their brand, you know. Not and, and, not every company can get away with that. Well, a lot of companies can't, and that's that's you know good for them for building that brand recognition. Uh, they you know they are known for quality, and let's face it, and, and I yeah, I think I, that's I, going to slide. Yeah. The other thing about Apple, just very briefly, is they have a huge services division too. Uh, yeah, I mean clearly they want to sell iPhones. That's the big driver. They want to sell iPads. But their service department is our, our service division is growing and growing and growing, and and th the crazy. revenue streams are equaling out a lot more. And I continue, you know, I, I speak. They built that beautiful uh, ecosystem, and I don't see that going anywhere. No, soon. I, I and that, again, it's just a personal opinion. He also, what's up? Oh, I was just gonna say, but great comment, and this is the type of dialogue that we want to have. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And if you have questions like this, these are the types oh. of comments we love to chat about because it's just opinions and everyone, you can formulate your own. One final point on that, he says, both of these companies are working on investing in products for 20, 50 years down the road. Google um, and Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. makes me think, uh, I didn't think, I don't know that Apple stopped innovating. I know they're not as maybe as crazy as they once were, but I just came across a uh, thing, a pick or I mean, a, an article talking about their new Apple car and how they're actually thinking about using augmented reality, a big little private area that they're working on. Um, these are 
20 year plus projects. I mean, these are what people would argue are the next big shifts and changes in our world. I, I think back to, I think it was 14 years ago, I, the Apple, the iPhone came out in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I think so. And that's 14 or years two, ago yeah, now. Around then. And in 2006, I don't think anybody really conceived that there was, you know, we had a need for something like that smartphone and, and mm -hmm. they've just created a whole new world, a whole new industry. And so, uh, yeah, I expect in another 14 years from today, we're going to be saying, wow, who would have thought in 2021 that this thing would even be possible? And if there's a company, all these companies are great at, at uh, driving, uh, those, you know, being innovative that way and Apple will, will be right along there. Agreed. And they have so much cash on the balance sheet. They have so much money to spend oh, and invest in bio companies. We don't know what's next. So I think it's not fair to say Apple's no longer innovating. But again, that's just our opinion. Let's and we respect on. that, Max. And we respect yeah. that, Max. Yeah, he's a yeah. follower of the channel. We like Max. So that's oh, yeah. a very, I like that. Always makes great comments. Yeah. Um, let's move on now, Dad, into sure. a little bit of strategy behind our portfolios. Okay. Because we didn't really get into this in the last video. In fact, I think I actually chopped it out because I wanted to keep the video shorter. So let, <laughs> let's kind of reiterate here. Yeah. For those that don't know, we are structuring our Wealth Simple Trade account as more of a balanced portfolio with an emphasis on income. And like I mentioned, Canadian, not full focus on Canadian, but that may be a, we may lean towards Canadian for the various reasons. Quest Trade is going to be more growth focused with definitely a heavier emphasis on US companies, some international companies, and our asset allocations that we've set as rough targets. Mm -hmm. um, you may have actually a chart to pull up data. I may throw it up there now, but I think with Quest Trade, we are targeting, let's call it either an 80 20 split, possibly even fluctuating all the way up to 100% equities. So we would consider that more of a growth portfolio. We may throw some fixed income down the road, but we're gonna call that an equity predominant portfolio. Whereas with Wealth Simple, one of the things that we're gonna share with you guys today is we actually added a fixed income, income generating uh, product. And that with that account, we're going for more of a balanced approach. Let's call it a 70-30 or even a 60-40, which would be good for uh, you know a good chunk of viewers out there demographic wise. Right. So I don't think we got the chance to say that in the last video, but just FYI, those are some of the targets that we're going for. Well, and that's really important. And as part of this series, just a very quick recap on that strategy. Generally, when you look at how the portfolio will be mixed, so you know, you sort of imagine the pizza where you have different slices. You have equities. The, the large ones are equity slice. You have a fixed income, or typically called a bond slice, and then a cash slice. And right now, our cash slices are, are still big. Yeah. In a portfolio that is more growth oriented, that equity slice is just going to be much bigger. Uh, higher volatility, higher risk tolerance, but we're going to set what's called a strategic asset allocation or a strategic target. And I like to think of that as almost like if you had to put your weighting, how much do you want to put into the equity sector? And imagine that for the next 10 years, you cannot trade it. So what are your comfortable, what's your risk tolerance? And in a growth oriented portfolio, you might have 80. I mean, some people might even have 100. That's rare, I think, because mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to leave that for 10 years without being able to manage it. Conversely, in a balanced portfolio, you may have that target, like you said, 70-30, so a little bit uh, more conservative or classic 60% in equities and 40% in bonds. And that's, again, assuming you can't make any trades. Those are strategic targets. Now, you also have the tactical asset allocation. You mentioned, Brandon, if you have um, start off with 80%, we may go as high as 100. And if we feel the markets 
are warranting that heavier exposure, you would go there. In a balanced portfolio, even if you use, let's say, that 60-40, if the markets look really, really overheated, you may go to a 50-50. You make those tactical shifts, but you're always coming back or realigning to those longer-term strategic targets uh, as part of the overall management of the portfolio. I think that's a really good, for beginners, knowing what that target is before you start is great and you make adjustments and right now we're building up to that target super well said yeah and um we're still sitting at about a 60 percent cash position so we can't really uh yeah we're nowhere near that and it'll still take time to get there but i think one thing that i think is huge about this is that over the coming years we will see how these two portfolios react to different market conditions that is right. going to be such a powerful teaching point People tend to just think optimistically and just say, well, why don't I just go all equities? Why don't I do this? Why don't I need bonds? Let's wait till the markets come down. What if the markets over the next eight to 10 months are actually in a bear market, which I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen. Can't rule it out. Yeah. Can't mm-hmm. rule it out. Um, we're seeing the market come down a little bit. What if this extends on? Well, then you're gonna be wishing you had that 40% exposure to bonds and we'll see the difference there in our equity versus our, our balance versus our more growth portfolio. It's just a good teaching point, I think. A really quick story. When I was brand new in the in, in the industry and this so this goes back to uh, you know mid 90s. Yeah, mid 90s. And uh, I remember sitting once with a client. I, you know, I was much younger. The client was uh, a similar age. And I had built a relatively balanced portfolio. We had the growth, uh, which at the time was doing quite well. We had uh, fixed income. And I remember vividly sitting with him and he's asking the question and he was very respectful, but he said like, why do we own these bonds? Like they're mm-hmm. doing nothing. The, you know, the markets are going up. And I kind of explained this theory and it was a short time thereafter, you know, within a year, let's say, where the markets did take a sharp drop, the bonds, you know, are negatively correlated. They actually increased in value as the money went, you know, flight to safety, etc. And I remember our next review sitting down and going, "That's why you hold the bonds." Now, there, that's why. Yeah, that's why. What there, and, and but there are people who will swear by, yeah, but you ride it out, and you know, over yeah. the long term, the equities will outperform. Mathematically, that is very, very true. Mm-hmm. But every time we go through those sharp, sharp drops, we, we lose people who just can't take it anymore. That's mm-hmm. the danger. It's not being able to write it out. If you had, I mean, I've been doing this for half of my, my, my life being an investor. Yeah. I don't have a hundred percent equity portfolio. I have full faith neither in the equities. Ne- and, and you don't, and you're 25. I was going to say me. I was going to say neither does even if you look at Warren Buffett, I was just, I forget where I covered it, but even he said he wouldn't even go for 100% equities. He said, if anything, 90% equities, 10% government bonds. Even Warren Buffett yeah. suggests that. Yeah. Um, well, and I, yeah, sorry. Well, ironically, you're going to have um, through the the peaks and the valleys, you're going to have a, a lower volatility portfolio, obviously, but you're also going to have the math kind of works out in your favor if you do always have that mix in there. Right. And I think uh, a great way to envision it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you can almost think of it like insurance on your car. You I'm know, sure. you don't. That was just going through insur- my head a few minutes ago. Yeah, it's, it's insurance for your portfolio. You know, you don't but you don't buy insurance hoping that you're gonna have to use it and you don't go out hoping you're gonna crash but you pay the the monthly premiums or the annual premiums in case something happens very similar uh, thought process when it comes to the overall balance of your portfolio I, I can't help but think back to the tech crash this goes back a long time now 20 years but when the nasdaq dropped 80 85 percent yeah which was the high flyers and the growth uh companies at the time not many people sitting here could really say, yeah, if, if the markets drop 80% over the next year with my holdings, I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay because they'll go back up. 
maybe before it happens, but uh, this, plus the staff just the, don't bear that out. Yeah. Plus, it took about 15 or 17 years for the NASDAQ to yeah. reach its previous highs. But okay, I think yeah. we're let's move on now to the next section sure, of our video. Sure. We're going longer, but um, yeah. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying. Yeah. I, I think it's time now to dive into our additions. I know the, sure. the viewers are patiently waiting for this. And um, yeah, so just as a recap, we added two new holdings. Both happen to be in the Wealth Simple trade account. Um, do you want to take it away with our fixed income holding dad and I'll share our, our equity holding after? Sure, and I'll, I will do that. And I will just talk um, conceptually, why would we add fixed income, especially in a time like this with interest rates so low? If we look back over history, bonds, I'm just gonna use bonds or fixed income. I might use them uh, interchangeably. So they essentially, for the purposes of what we're discussing here, they mean the same thing. Bonds were always an important part of a portfolio going back over history, but we're in fairly unique times right now with interest rates at rock bottom lows. And in fact, in much of the world, they're in, you're getting negative yeah. returns. And I'm not even talking about inflation here. I'm just talking about the nominal return that you're getting on a bond. And she, Earlier in my career, the bonds were paying five, six, seven, eight percent. So that always formed a really important core of the portfolio. So it wouldn't be uncommon to have 40, 50 percent of your portfolio with that base and then the growth around that. It's really challenging in the in the environment we're living in now because bonds are paying a percent or 1.2 percent. So who mm -hmm. wants that over the long term? And that's very, very uh, that's that's a valid a valid argument. Uh, you mentioned Brandon, sort of like from an insurance perspective, when the markets do take a take a drop, bonds tend to hold up better. Mind you, we think back to this time last year when the markets dropped in March, and every bond yeah. portfolio that I saw took a hit as well, Everything. temporarily, like most companies. So, the concept of why do we own bonds? It's to have some balance to the portfolio for what we've done now is we've taken an entry position into the wealth simple which is the more conservative portfolio we haven't added any bonds to the growth portfolio and and keep in mind we already have a bunch of cash we still have a bunch of cash too right so it's uh sorry yeah. to, sorry to cut you off no, that's under, fine, yeah. but if you if we were investing a hundred thousand dollars right off the bat we and we wanted to put it all in the markets immediately then it might be a bit of a different approach but like you said we are just phasing this in and which is why sorry i just totally cut you off there no that's perfectly fine it's a good point so what did we add to the portfolio? Uh, just sort of summarizing, the challenge right now is to find returns. We added, uh, well, one of the things, I think you did, a, well, I know you did a, a video very recently on this, is the threat of inflation. And mm. you know, there's lots of reasons, we won't get into an inflation lesson today, but there's lots of reasons that we can be fearful, I would say, of inflation rates going back up. They do, they're cyclical like everything else, and especially with all the liquidity in the markets and all the money mm -hmm. supplies growing, mm -hmm. that typically is inflationary. There is a type of bond, type of fixed income um, asset, it's called TIPS, I, I think of it as TIPS, T-I-P-S, which is Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. And these are issued by the US government. And simplistically what they do is the uh, rate that is paid is inf is adjusted, adjusted according to inflation mm -hmm. technically it's the principal itself so when you buy a bond you pay let's just say you pay a thousand dollars for a bond and it pays a stated rate of return uh you know a, a coupon then at the end of that term so let's say it's a one-year bond at the end of the year you get your thousand dollars back if it's a five-year bond at the end of the five years you get your thousand dollars back. In the meantime, you've been collecting whatever that rate of return is. With an inflation protected security, as inflation ticks up, and uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I, I, I have prepared a chart that shows where we are at in the both US and Canadian inflation environment, okay. uh, or the you know CPI 
uh, adjustments. Yep. The 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 um, principle of that bond is adjusted to keep pace. So in a rising inflationary environment, this is probably one of the only types of bonds that. I think the only one I'm aware of that is adjusted uh, on a regular basis. And so you would not want to have this if high, the inflation was high and you expected the markets to drop. Uh, it's exactly what you would not want to have. A lot of people think of bonds as just, you know, you buy an old bond, you put it in there, you don't think about it. Bonds are, you have, they have to be managed just like equities do um, as the different you know, interest rates go through cycles and that type of thing. So we added the McKenzie, uh, the, the, um, I love the ticker on this, it's called Q-tips. And mm -hmm. uh, Q-tip, yeah, Q-tip, rather. Sorry, it's the McKenzie U.S. Tips Index ETF. And uh, as I mentioned, these buy Treasury bonds that are issued by the U.S. government. The most important feature of this type of bond is that it is indexed to inflation, and I call that it protects your purchasing power because inflation eats away at that purchasing power. This protects it. Uh, I'm going to put it around, if you don't mind putting a table up on the screen here, this shows um, how different types of bonds or particularly tips that perform in, in different economic environments. And on the left side of this table, you can see in a rising interest or inflation rate environment, tips will outperform other types of bonds. From a uh, tax perspective, we are, this is a Canadian investment. Now these, right. we're buying a US security. But because of the structure, uh, the there isn't withholding tax on these, so it's it's a bit of a bonus because I know we do often refer to the withholding tax that can kind of eat away at your returns. Mm -hmm. In this case, that isn't applicable. The in, the dividends are paid monthly in this, so I know a lot of people like that, and it is importantly a hundred percent hedged to the Canadian dollars. So in an investment like this, you don't want to have. Uh, the the currency fluctuation come into play because the currency can swing a lot more than the return yeah. on an investment. So that's nice. The management fee is 0.15%. In a perfect world, there wouldn't be management fees. But this is, I think, one of those cir circumstances where it warrants, in my opinion, paying a management fee. It's reasonable. It's 0.15. So yeah, yeah. Uh, low in the big scheme of things, uh, higher than a lot of equities that you can buy indexes these days, but well, a reasonable price. So that's what we chose. I think we took about overall about a 10% uh, weighting uh, on that. And again, that's a, start, a starting point. At some point, we will have rounded that out with other types of bonds as well. Yeah. But uh, in the environment we're in right now, it was important, I think, to get that position in place. And so we went with the, uh, the Q-tip to, to start that off. Q-tip, what a name. And, and <laughs> yeah, on that point, Dad, 0.15% management fee. I think that's a fee we're well worth paying because I don't know about you, but I don't care for following up with bonds. That's not an area of the market that I want to uh, keep up with. So it's a fee well worth paying to have someone there uh, packaging that up for you. A quick note on that. When I got into the industry, we still bought bonds. I mean, you bought them through the bond desk and some people, you know, they're still available, but yeah. it, the industry has really evolved to the point now where uh, I think in the professional world, most uh, bonds are traded, uh, you know, Through, via a fund or yeah. via an, an ETF. That seems to be the most common way now. Uh, I agree with you. It's not something that is easy to follow, and, and so and it's paying that bond well worth it. And they're boring, straight up. Bonds are boring. They can uh, be when when we go to the they can be, but when we go to all those uh, industry functions and I hear the bond people speak, oh my god, that puts me to sleep. Especially after <laughs> lunch. There's there's no way that I could keep up with that. Um, Good. By the by the way, as a reminder, if you guys are watching this. Our private membership group, these give you live updates when we make these trades. So if you want to rely on our research, uh, obviously you got to do your own too. But if you want ideas like this and kind of let us do the decisioning process, 
we update all of our students through the uh, private membership group as well as the stock that we uh, that I'll maybe take over now because we did at an equity position as well and it was a company that you covered recently dad I'll put the link up at the top it is the company Clorox ticker CLX is the uh, ticker it is a US traded company trading for hundred and eighty dollars per share as you can see they have come down off highs of about 25%. They pay a dividend of 2.46%. So this absolutely would classify for our dividend portfolio. And what we did was we opted for five shares, about $900 USD, let's call that 1.1K Canadian as our entry little position here. We can build that up with time. But um, yeah, very simple that I think we were looking at our Again, we're still building up the portfolio, but we looked at the areas of uh, our sector diversification and exposure, and we were severely lacking. In fact, we didn't have any exposure to the staples, the consumer staples sector. And if you follow us, you know how important of a sector this is, especially in a balanced income producing dividend portfolio. Uh, I believe we have a you have a chart there that we can put up on the screen that just shows our breakdown, right, Dad? Yes, I do. I've got uh, quick aside. I've got a I've created a, a chart that shows the combined portfolios, but okay. also the two is so the growth portfolio and the um, and the balanced portfolio. So you can look at them if one is more appropriate for your circumstances. You can look at that, but also from the combined. So it'll show us the breakdown there. Cool. Yeah, I'll have yeah. that up on the screen for the viewers. But yeah, what we recognized was. Uh, we did have a, I think some decent tech exposure, at least in our growth yep. portfolio. Yep. We had the financials, we had a few sectors building up in the wealth simple one. And we just thought for a dividend portfolio, it doesn't get much better than the consumer staple sector. And just to get a little bit of uh, geographical diversity, we threw in a US holding. And like I said, we're, we're going to be building US stocks in here. I really like uh, Clorox, the fact that it is selling off and um, there's not- Or has a, sold off, hopefully. <laughs> has sold off, right. Hopefully this is the bottom, but- That we know, yeah. <laughs> But anywho, um, and we're not going to get into Clorox in this video because you covered it. Actually, I'll put it up on that side of the screen. You did a nice full recovery uh, coverage on that stock, what they do, the bleach products, their whole suite mm -hmm. of options. So if, what's up? Oh, I was just going to say uh, Clorox benefited a lot from the pandemic, you know, being yeah. that sort of cleaning or sanitary, uh, th that part of their, of their business. Um, and we've seen the stock pull back recently more, not quite, I don't think it's quite to post-pandemic levels, but we've seen a no. pullback. And, and so um, I, I, that's another factor into the fact that it has pulled back. It's, uh, I think there's some good upside potential there. Right. We don't want to be chasing after po pandemic highs. And yeah. Um, yeah. and again, we, we only put $1,000 into this position for now. Th this is not going to be our total position size down the road. We are continuously yeah. adding money to this portfolio. We still have about $15,000 worth of cash left. So again, a way to mitigate this potential uh, falling is if these stocks go down another 10, 15%, we love it. We'll go in and add more. But I think that is, yeah. yeah. It's, it's true. And it's easy to say that. And a lot of people you know, think you buy a stock and, and it, they only are supposed to go up. But if we needed this money in six months, we wouldn't want it to go down right now. But we It'd be don't. A different story. We're building this nest egg. And so the, the cheaper we can buy these shares up now, I have very little doubt that Clorox 10 years from now won't be, you know, have increased dramatically in value, provided a reasonable dividend along the way. So we're not joking when we say if the markets pull back, that's a good buying opportunity. Easy to say, harder to do, but that's the way it works. Well, I'll briefly share a story before we wrap up today's yeah. video. I remember, Dad, you, I don't know if you remember this, but when I first started working at your firm and we were building up 
you had, I forget the amount it was. I think it was just under a million dollars. Like about, let's, let's say, let's say $800,000 that you were putting into the market for a uh, said or ex client. Mm. And it was starting from scratch. And I was obviously very, very, uh, you know, watching over you saying, Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And you bought a variety of stocks as a kind of like what we're doing today. Right. And a, a, a few weeks later, maybe three weeks or so, or maybe even a month later, I looked and one of the positions were down 10%. The others had done fine. And one stock was down 10%. And that was a pretty significant dollar value at the time. I'm thinking, ooh, tens of thousands of dollars lost in the going to be really mad. <laughs> I, I, literally, I, I don't know if you remember that, but I'm like, is she not going to be like, upset? And it was just <laughs> eye-opening to me when you, you know, basically explained what you just explained, that we want the prices to come lower. Because like anything else, if we're at an auction or whatever the product is, if we are in the phase of accumulating and buying, why would we want to pay more for a product or a yeah. stock in this case? Yeah. If it's a good quality, and that's key, that it's a good quality business, and, and I forget what the stock was, but it certainly was. If that stock pulls back even further, that is a chance for us to go in and buy more. And we're just repeating ourselves, but that's just a funny story that I remember yeah. you know, a few years back that I was like, uh, yeah. And clearly the stock went on to do quite well. Uh, again, I forget the stock, but I know it did. Yeah. Yeah. And we got in at a better price. And it's just, it was a, that was my first eye opening to like, and that's, you know, pretty, that's how, uh, you know, what's up? Sorry. That, that's how it works, right? That's how it works. Um, yeah. Importantly, I'll just keep saying this over and over. If you don't need the money today or yeah. tomorrow, if you need the yeah. money in the short term, it's entirely different. You can't be buying companies like this. The whole premise here is long-term investing. I, I'm, I'm going to say that over and over, but all of these theories only apply for something that you're building up. Now, if if you are already um, older and you're using this to pay um, to pay your your income to provide your income, a company that pays a dividend like this, that that capital, if it goes down 10%, that's not going to hurt you because it's still going right. to be spinning off that dividend, assuming the dividend is sound, which in Clorox I believe it is. So a company like that is still going to continue to pay that dividend. Your your cash flow stream won't, you know, disappear, uh, but the value is going to fluctuate. But that's less important to you in the in the shorter term, even if you are an older investor. Yeah, so true. Well, hey, we'll probably repeat ourselves that we'll yeah, keep yeah. seeing the same things over and over again until until it clicks for some people and. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are already on board with what we have to say. And if we can just change the mindsets of a few other people who are on the fence, well, I mean, then we're doing, we're doing our job here, right? That's uh, ultimately, and we're going to have people who absolutely disagree with these strategies and these theories. And that's fine because it's not, it's not, uh, it's not one size fits all, right? It's not. Everyone can yeah. take their own approach. And this is, yeah. we're just sharing with you ours. And if you yeah. see eye to eye with it, yeah, come along for the ride. Yeah. But I think Dad, that'll wrap it up. So today I think we're sitting at a portfolio value of... Uh, 40, uh, not 40,000, sorry, 38, 39,651. So down about 300 bucks. Um, we're going to get our contributions for the month coming in and probably in a couple weeks, uh, we've got those all set up and we'll probably be back in a couple weeks with a new, um, episode. And I will yeah. remind every, I will remind everybody. Yeah. Uh, our private membership group is a great way of following along with this for a very, very low uh, monthly price. That's that first link down below. We also have our investing academy. If you are looking for training and you actually want to learn what's going on behind the scenes and how we are doing this stuff, that's our beginner course. And if you enjoyed the video and you're enjoying the series, drop a big thumbs up on this video. That just is a just a great way of showing your support. It is completely free for all the content we put together for you guys. Um, even leaving a comment down below that helps out with the algorithm. And we like to hear from you. We read all the comments. And as we said, if you guys like that Q and A segment area we may answer your question in the upcoming video. Maybe a question about why we did this, 
our thoughts on this, uh, you know, anything really. Yeah, please ask those questions. Like, well, you mentioned this, why? What's the logic? Or hopefully, for, for example, like the, the bonds that we added, hopefully I explained sort of the, the theory, the logic behind it. But if there's a question and there will be questions that come up, ask them and I wish we could answer every single question at the beginning of every single episode uh, but that's not practical Maybe but we'll try and pick ones that are if you like a question give it a thumbs up and, and that's those huge. are the ones that we'll focus on yeah great point yeah that way we can kind of see what would represent a, a wide range of viewers and hopefully help the most people and we asked for a longer video you collectively this is I don't even know what we're at but I, 40, I know what you're talking 30, 30 something minutes 30, 30 something like, minutes push, okay. pushing 40 yeah pushing 40 so let's continue to get your feedback on that is this okay uh, do you want longer yet uh, you know okay guys don't, don't push it too far cut it back a little bit we're developing this so your input is critical in this in this process yeah 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 okay well <laughs> thank you guys all for tuning in to episode 3 of our series thank you dad for stopping by you bet. And uh, yeah, appreciate all go. the viewers. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? I was saying, gotta go mow the lawn now. It's a beautiful day out there and <laughs> gotta go do some yard work. Nice, that sounds fun. <laughs> I think I am gonna watch, I think there's a PGA tournament on right now. I mm. think there's might be some basketball. There's a basketball game on today. Nice. The play, the play in tournament is on. And um, yeah, maybe watch the Blue Jays game. That's pretty much what I'll be doing here. Nice after editing up this video and posting it and everything. Awesome. And well, feeding your cats and your dog. Yeah, that too. Awesome. That's it. That's it. Well, hey, thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> Appreciate you guys watching till the end. And we'll see you guys in the next video.